Liverpool Bulls coverage show podcast, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm your host, Keith Cork, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and friend here, uh, Mr. Trey Hill, just to talk a little Bulls with you guys for a little bit. You know, uh, you get to do this maybe once a week at best. <laughs> Trey, at this point, uh, work schedules and everything kind of don't align too well. But uh, but still, I'm, I'm always looking forward to just chatting Bulls with you, man. I hope you uh, you feel the same way. Oh, I mean, honestly, I prefer this to the recording right after the games. Um, just because after the games, it's always so raw. It's it's really hard to get a big picture. Like last night, after that huge Portland win, at, you know, the big comeback, it would have been great to, to have that reflection yeah. on it. But it would have been all positive, no negative. Right. Yeah, it was a good game. I mean, you know, obviously that's still kind of fresh in our minds, so we can definitely start there. And, uh, you know... For once, the Bulls actually played better in the second half than they did in the first half, which I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but that has to be a pretty rare thing this season. And does, do you have that same, same feeling? Yeah, I was also – I was glad they were able to take advantage. Portland played last night, so it was the second night of a back-to-back. And right. Chicago just didn't let up. But, yeah, it seems like this, this season Chicago has faded in the second half of games, whereas this one – they got up – you know, they were up – pretty consistently the first quarter and then Portland put them down by a lot. And it was really nice to see the team chip away and fight back because Portland put in the effort to try and put the game away and Chicago just didn't let it happen. Yeah. I think they were down 11 at the half, I believe, or 12, somewhere in that range. Yeah. They were down 11. It was 70 to 59. Yeah. And 70 points, you go 70 points in the first half. I mean, we've seen the bulls, you know, fold kind of in the past in that situation. And, uh, I know people threw this around on Twitter a lot, you know, on Bulls Twitter is, you know, just showing some resolve, showing some fight, which, you know, I think there's, it's kind of, I mean, I think every team has that. It's not like it's something that, it's not like a, a skill necessarily in my mind, in my opinion. It's just kind of, you play the game and, and however it plays out, that's just kind of what people throw their own narratives on top of that. So I don't know how much stock I put into that, but man, you were talking about Zach Levine and he was incredible. Uh, last night for sure you know looked more like that max player guy that we were, we were looking for and you know it's been rough for Zach I mean he, he said it himself he started the season you know when they asked him about the all-star game he started the season hurt uh still working his way back kind of I mean but at this point he's pretty much all systems go over the last you know two weeks or so right yeah I'm looking at it the last game since the really disappointing loss uh to Charlotte the last four games Zach's averaging 24 points six rebounds and 4.8 assists, but he's shooting 46% from three. And it's really been the, the catch and shoot threes I've noticed from him. They've, he's really been able to get in a good rhythm, I felt like. And I, I just, I'm glad to see his game evolving that way, where he is utilizing that three-point shot to open up. Because you're right, he does seem like his knee is back, but he's eight. And this is just comes with age and injury. He's 85% the athlete he used to be. So when he has that space in the lane where he's used to being able to go in and dunk, I feel like he's he's drawing a lot of contact, but he's getting he's getting better at that. And I think we saw that last night in Port, in the second half against Portland. Zach got to the line a few possessions in a row when the Bulls really needed some points. Yeah. And uh, speaking of just guys that are incredible and, and fun to watch, uh, Damian Lillard is always a joy to watch. He had a really good game against the Bulls. The Bulls were out without Alex Caruso, of course. So kind of had free run on the Bulls guards, but uh, couldn't do much to stop him. But we still pulled out the win. So, you know, that, that was a good win for the Bulls. But, yeah, going back to Zach Levine, I mean, I think the biggest, you know, I think I've said this the last few podcasts, but the biggest change for me is uh, not just the three-point shooting, which I think, you know, the volume's increased with three-point shooting, which I think the Bulls realized that that had to happen. I mean, 
I'm looking at his numbers now. It's been kind of up and down, actually. I see some you know, games where he only has four or five attempts, and there's some games where he has you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, overall, on average, 7.5 three-point attempts per game over the last uh, 12 games or so. So, you know, I think you could even up that a little bit. I think his three-point shooting is really, really important to this team. But um, but the thing that really sticks out to me, Trey, is, is, like you said, his ability to attack the rim and his willingness to take to take contact, uh, even with that in, you know slightly injured body, uh, even with you know his struggles earlier in the season to finish at the rim, he's doing a lot better at that now. Um, you know now when he goes to the rim, I don't like cringe and go, oh my gosh, this is going to be a, a terrible layup attempt. I think I think I'm pretty confident he's going to make a play that's going to be a high percentage shot. So um, so good call on that one. Yeah, I think that's we. I give Zach uh, a lot of. I just give him a lot of crap, I guess, is the word for it, for uh, falling asleep on defense and things yeah. like that. But one of the things that they preach is get get in the lane, get to the line when your shot's not falling. And Zach's been, you know, he, he had that injured finger, and I think he even admitted that it was affecting his shot a little bit. And just being able to turn that on, it's been nice to see his legs be healthy enough to, to be able to compensate for that. So... I think he's trending in the right direction. Uh, you mentioned, though, that you don't put a lot of stock into the resolve thing. For me, that's a big thing, and I think that's mm. the big my biggest problem with Chicago. Mm. Like you saw that game against Charlotte. They come out, and they just don't look like they're putting in the effort. And, mm. um, I mean, really, other than – and I hate to call out the stars, but for me, it's almost always Zach and DeMar because that when their shots aren't falling on the offensive end – they put the it, it just seems like they consistently put the other guys in bad positions on the defensive end. Yeah, I, I feel you. And, you know, I think you know, when it comes to resolve, I think it's more about the verbiage to me. You know, it's not like, you, the, you know, the, the team itself is not an entity. Like, you, can, you know, a company's not an entity. A basketball team is not an entity, you know, in a certain way, right? Like, it, like of course, they are a combined group of people, and that is an entity. But they're not like it doesn't have feelings, right? So that's kind of where I stand on it. But I think there is something to be said about playing for each other, uh, you know, something to be said about camaraderie and, and and all that good stuff. But but you know, there's nothing that really suggests to me that that would have changed to the for the Bulls. You know, there's not like someone got traded or anything like that. It's not like we traded away a, a cancel locker room or something like that. So well, well, didn't well we had we had Billy Donovan bench sack for for basically being being bad on defense and then the trip to France Dragic, uh, France that's right, what and they then said something about it also before and that was before the trip to France and then they had the trip to France but i mean it's also getting it's getting to the point in the season where as much as we love Zach and he's the franchise guy when when Billy Donovan took him out of the game and Zach immediately said something about it in the press yeah. that took Billy's ability to hold this team responsible on the defensive end that just took that away and so I think it's just taken it took it took Dragic confronting him in the locker room and it's taken this losing to kind of almost force him to see hey you you have we have to win on the defensive end you have to be engaged on this end because if you're not you're you're putting all of us in a bind and then that we just watch the defense break over and over but these last 10 games the Bulls have been a top 10 team in defense, according to Kirk Goldsberry. So yeah. when they're engaged, they can be a, a top 10 defense. The defense has been nice. I think some of that has to do with the uh, opponents we've been facing, though. 
Uh, we did have the Pacers, Hornets, Magic, you know, Hornets again, and then the the Blazers didn't have a great game against us. They scored a lot of points, but then the Clippers aren't necessarily a great def- offensive team, I should say, uh, on a regular basis. So, so I think some some of that's a little bit of variance in just who we're playing in terms of defense. But I do like the effort I'm seeing on the defensive end. I'm not like totally out on the Bulls defense. I think they do have a decent defense, and obviously Caruso uh, playing at a high level uh, through most of these games as well. You know. We'll, we'll talk about the trade deadline and how we feel about all that kind of stuff in a minute here. But uh, but I think him, him playing uh, uh, big minutes here for the Bulls has been very helpful on the defensive end for sure. So, uh, you know, just kind of large, large scale view. The Bulls are three of the, have won three of their last four games, which is nice. They've won the games you would expect them to win. They won against the Magic, Hornets, Blazers. Uh, they lost against Clippers, which, you know, um, that was a disappointing loss. It definitely felt like the Bulls could have won that game, Trey. We can talk a little bit more about that, but... Uh, but still, I'm not like super upset that they lost that game because the Clippers are a very good team. I think they're still a team that could could play for a championship if they get you know maybe one more piece here. So I'm not like super upset about that. Um, but then you know had the games before where you know you had two losses to the to the Hornets and Pacers back to back right before this you know three of the last four uh, uh, things. So it's been a inconsistent you know s- season for the Bulls. They've just been so up and down and. I, you know, I, I still think, and, and you know, maybe this transitions us into talking about the deadline, but I do think that that stabilizing force of a point guard, and, you know, I, I wish we had Lonzo Ball. I really do, but I think you and I both agree he, we just have to play it this season like he's not going to play at all. He's not going to step foot on the floor, right? I mean, given the reports that are out now, I'm doubting we see him next season. Right. Yeah, it's There's not. Si- I saw the thing that said that there were six doctors who still couldn't figure out why he has pain. Like, at this point, he's just a sunk cost to me, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. And like you said, that really affects how this team plays because we love Io, but mm-hmm. you see the difference whenever Goron comes in and the playmaking difference between the two. So to have someone who is that high level of a playmaker that you can you can play more minutes, that would that would be a huge boost for this team because I think Stacy. I think it was Stacey King the other night said he thought the Bulls might be the worst passing team mm. in the league. Mm. Just overall, as, as just because they struggle to get the ball inba- on the inbounds, they struggle. Yeah, that's true. The entry passes into the post. They just they struggle to make pa- all the passes. So mm. to get someone in that could, that can just come in and and play a little more than that back in that backup point guard role or even start that would be a huge win for this team. Yeah, and you know. I think uh, also, you know, you're mentioning that. And just, I think just in general at this point, we're, what, 40, 50 games into the season. Um, you know, so we've seen plenty of this team. I think one of the things that makes me really uncomfortable towards the end of the games is it's just ball security in those tight situations where, you know, I need somebody to not just necessarily go get a basket, which Damar or Zach can absolutely do, obviously. But, you know, hey, I need somebody to actually control the basketball for 10 to 12 seconds and then go find somebody to go get a basket. Like they're 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 missing that first guy there to to you know basically dribble the ball around or make the right pass. Um, it's just been a right. Real we big need ball. we need we need someone to get Demar the ball on the block right. isolated where he's comfortable with twelve right. seconds left on the shot clock. Right. Or when they run to double Demar, they run to double Zach. Someone who can make themselves available, get the ball and play make take advantage of that situation because. As as good as Demar and Zach have become at playmaking, they're still not quick decision makers on that mm-hmm. front. So when someone gets doubled, they come and get the ball. They get the ball. They take a moment to assess, and by then that defense has had a chance to rotate back, and our advantage is gone from that double from breaking the double team. 
Whereas Lonzo, he was so great. Caruso does a pretty good job at this whenever he's really on. He's a great connector. Um, I was getting better, but it's just, you know, he's still young. If we could find someone, and I don't even know who that target would be, but it would be, that would be, I think, the one piece I would look for if I was the Bulls. Because we saw Andre Drummond come back last night motivated. If we could get him that motivated the rest of the season, I think our backup bigs are taken care of with Andre Drummond and Derek Jones Jr., yeah, I think it's fine. I mean, I don't mind uh, keeping those guys. But, yeah, let me get your thoughts on, on, on Andre Drummond. Obviously, he's been, you know, in and out of the rotation the last uh, couple of weeks and been getting some DNPs even. And so it's been kind of rough for him. And, you know, he's kind of been in the media. And, you know, one thing that I will say, though, uh, on this, and I didn't really know this about Andre Drummond before he came playing for our team, but he is a, he's a professional. He is, a, you know, a, a good teammate. Uh, definitely seems like a really good dude. So I, I'm glad to be rooting for him, obviously. But, um, but you know, it's been a struggle for him because, you know, he does feel like he's got that talent. Um, you know, this guy's used to be a, a walking double-double back in Detroit. Uh, and, you know, how much of that was, was real, how much of that was inflated, you know, stats, I don't know. But uh, either way, I still think he does have that skill that we need, um, you know, in specific situations where we need a, a big body out there to grab boards. He's just an absolute monster on the, on the boards. I love to see that. So what are your feelings on him now? I mean, do you feel like he's expendable at this point or do you feel like, you know, the Bulls have to keep him? I feel like the Bulls have to keep him unless they're bringing back another legit big that can play behind Vucevic. Because I love I love small ball. We know everyone who listens to this show knows how much I love small ball. I love Derek Jones Jr. at the five. But there are a lot of centers where you have to have legitimate backup centers. And we both lived through those Tony Bradley minutes. Do you want to relive that? <laughs> no. Because I do not. No, thank no. you. And uh, I know I'm the ultimate optimist, but I don't think Marco Samanovic is going to be the guy replacing Andre Drummond's minutes in the big rotation. So I I love I, – I hated to see him get benched for as long as it was, but it seemed to have done the job in motivating him and lighting a fire. If he can play that hard, that motivated, especially on the defensive end like he did last night, then it's going to be hard for him to not get minutes. Yeah, and he had 15 and 10, uh, 15 points, 10 rebounds in 15 minutes in, in uh, a couple of games ago, and that was the first time since like 1979 that that had happened. So uh, just incredible sometimes that what that can get do in uh, in very limited minutes. So I feel like he ideally that that's his role as a backup center. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say before we leave Andre Drummond, random piece of trivia someone told me the other day. The active leader in steals for players 30 or yeah. under is Andre Drummond. Yeah. That's incredible, because uh, you wouldn't you would not expect that. But he does have pretty active hands. He's got uh, so, good hands for a yeah. center, and when when you when you're playing, if you have good hands and you're playing against guys who can't handle the ball, yeah. you know it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I, I buy it. I, I mean, it's, it's true, so I have to buy it. <laughs> but that's uh, it's interesting. Uh, okay, let's move on. Though. Let's talk about the deadline. Obviously, everyone wants to hear our thoughts on that one at this point. You know. I know we would both uh, have been talking to Bagel, Stephen Bagel, on his podcast and stuff like that. Uh, we've both been part of his uh, his deadline, you know, exercise where we ran teams and stuff like that. So uh, we've been thinking about this thing for maybe about a month now, and I'm sure we've you know had our thought process change here. Uh, re- most recent rumors are that the Bulls are basically just looking to add a guard, and that's basically what they're going to do at the deadline. I mean, does that surprise you? Let me let me go ahead and start there. Not at all. I. Especially given the ups and downs, the the highs with this team are so good. I can see the front office saying, "All we have to do is put this together, put this together, and and find that playmaking piece that we lost with Lonzo, and we have this puzzle f- 
finally complete. So to me, no, I think I think again the puzzle's just too close to completion for this front office to shake, you know, to just break it apart and start over. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when you say that, and I I agree. Like, let me say that first. I think you know this this doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I I think you know a part of me does agree with them, and and I get I get that. But like at the same time, like so we're saying the puzzle's complete, but like what what is that puzzle? What, what's the picture in that puzzle, right? What's what's the end goal here? And I really, in my heart of hearts, can't at this point say, you know, we're thinking championship. Like, that's not, it's not, not in my, I think we're, we're looking at maybe a second round exit or something like that as a, as a ceiling, right? I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree 100% with that, with this team that we've got right now. Um, for me, it's about making sure this team looks attractive mm-hmm. when other team, when other players might come up in trades and free agency. Because if you if you can do that, Chicago is a big enough market that you can attract players if you have an organization that they want to play for. That wasn't the case for the Bulls before AK and Eversley took over. But you see what's happening in Brooklyn right now. Kevin Durant said a lot of very nice things about Chicago over the years. You know, this time next year, maybe Durant's looking at getting out of there. And Patrick Williams continues to develop because I think he's become an excellent defensive player. And, you know, if he can continue to shoot 40, 40% from three, him, Io, some draft, you know, a bunch of draft picks, if we can get that one converted, there will be options for Chicago. So for me, the ceiling of this team is, is just kind of maximizing its potential as showcasing itself as a first class organization now. Yeah, I like that. And uh, I think there is some you know, value there that people kind of overlook. You know, it's kind of like that 2K mentality where I, I need to get a dunk or a three pointer. And that's, you know, everyone lost the mid range game at some point. And uh, that's kind of a mid range game type type viewpoint where it's like, you know, hey, we're positioning ourselves to maybe add another piece here. And you mentioned Kevin Durant and, you know. Obviously, we got to talk about Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving requesting. I mean, Trey Young, Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not saying yeah. necessarily. I well, no, there's a lot guys, of names. Right. But like, there are so many guys who can become available right. that might want to come to to Chicago. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe Giannis. Or the Bulls could even just trade. <laughs> right, or the Bulls could even just trade for and feel confident that they're going to stick around. Whereas that wasn't that wouldn't have been the case ten years ago. What surprised me, though, I was just looking at actually odds before we jumped down here. Uh, there's odds on DraftKings about, you know, who's going to get traded at the deadline. Kevin Durant's a minus 250 to be traded at the deadline, which is just – that seems insane to me by the deadline. So that's in four days here. Uh, and I don't know if the Brooklyn Nets can get all their ducks in a row to to pull off a Kyrie and KD trade, but that would be incredible. But, yeah, I've been, like, dreaming about KD at Chicago for, for a long time now. I know he's up there in age. But I don't care. I mean, he's Kevin Durant. He's Kevin freaking Durant. And if you have a chance to get him, you go get him. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about it in my mind. Yep, 100%. But that that's what I'm looking for with this team. And, like, so the next few games, you've got the Spurs, Grizzlies, Nets, Cavs, Magic, Pacers, Bucks, Nets to finish out February. Or, no, that's just till February 24th. That's just where the cutoff is on basketball reference. But there are a lot of winnable games in that schedule, especially if Kyrie and Kevin Durant aren't playing February 9th here in four days. Yeah. So to me, as if this team can continue to build, continue to grow, everyone's talking bad about Vucevic. I think Vucevic is has been a fine starting center. He's shown a willingness to sign a contract that decreases in value mm-hmm. in the past. So I, I, in theory, I don't see why he wouldn't be willing to do that again. 
So his contract could be very cap friendly going forward as it's getting ready to spike. I think he's going to be around. I just, I want to see these guys. I want to see this team make the playoffs. That's, that's my big goal for this year. Now, if they can come together after the way this year started, mm-hmm. make the playoffs and, you know, maybe win a game in the first round. I'll be, I will be happy with that. Yeah. I, w- I, mean, I wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the year, but at the beginning of the year, I would have also said we were going to get Lonzo back at some point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was much higher in the Bulls, obviously. Uh, what was it about? Maybe three or four weeks before the season started when we got that Lonzo news, maybe even two weeks. It might have even been closer when that Lonzo news kind of dropped and it was like, oh, he's going to need surgery again. And we were just kind of like, oh, my gosh, seriously. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, you know, if you put Lonzo in the mix here, um, it's a much different story. I think the Bulls are in the mix of the, you know, I, I, if they have put Lonzo this team, I mean, you know, I'm looking at the standings right now. You've got, you know, obviously the Celtics, Bucks, and the Sixers. I don't think that changes. I think those are the top three teams, even if the Bulls had Lonzo. I mean, I, I mean, maybe they sneak in there. I don't know. That's a ceiling type situation. But you know, you, then you've got the Nets, Cavaliers, and Heat after that right now that are in the top six, you know, spots. And you had Lonzo to the Bulls. I think they're a better team than those three, honestly. And uh, you know, maybe you can make an argument the Nets are better if they're healthy which I wouldn't, you know, again, it's Kevin Durant, so I wouldn't argue against you for that. But, uh, but yeah, they're right in the mix of that, of that stuff. And even now, I mean, you know, they're 11 and a half games out of first, but if you look at the Heat, they're eight and a half games. They're only three games back from that sixth spot right now. So they're still in the mix, even without Lonzo. Yeah, they, they've really, they haven't been as disappointing as Bulls fans, us included, have, have been with them. It's just we got so such high expectations after the team at full health was, you know, they were in first in the East in January. And, at, you know, the downfall from that, seeing this team, and it's just another case of we have a team that looks like it could be. This team wasn't the contending level of those Derrick Rose teams. It was a fringe contender at best. But we finally got back up to that contending mountain and we just have to watch it wash away with it. You know, a point guard injury. It's just uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think Heat fans are, are pretty upset with their team. Like, I don't really see them. I mean, I think they could be active at the deadline. Um, I don't really see them. I mean, they could finish in the sixth spot. That wouldn't really surprise me. Uh, they've still got Jimmy Butler and, and Bam Adebayo, but I could see them slipping. You got the Knicks in the seventh spot, which, you know, they've got to be disappointed after adding Brunson to that mix. You know, I'm sure they were hoping to be at least in that four, five, six spot as well. And uh, so at this point in the season, they're, they got to be a little disappointed. And then the Hawks are right above the Bulls right now. We're only a game behind them, and they, they've they been real rough this season, especially to start the season. They're starting to turn it around right now, but, um, you know, a lot of disappointment in the East here. I think we're going to get an active trade deadline. I mean, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Are, are you getting that same feeling? I don't know. I think the Jazz <laughs> are going to – there's going to be a flurry for the Jazz, but the, with the lottery odds being being flattened the way they are, I think if the bull like if the Bulls lost like two more games and they were in like in Washington's spot, they would have a thirty percent chance to keep their pick this year. Mm-hmm. And with the the talent being what it is at the top of this draft, I think a lot of teams. I don't. It's just it's I don't know. I think yeah. the Jazz will sell, but I mean the other teams with the play in. I think a lot of teams think they can compete because, like you said, it has been so disappointing of a year. Mm-hmm. That middle is so squishy, you think, oh, I can get in, maybe I can contend in the first round. 
I really like that they added that play in because it does make things super competitive. It's like even if you're sitting at 10, 11, 12, you, you still have a chance to, to get in there. And if, you have, if you're waiting on an injured guy to come back, you still say to yourself, well, maybe I can win that play in, you know, those play in games and then get to a playoff series. And then who knows, you know, the it, point is it's to been get a great addition. I've loved yeah. it. The next thing I want them to do is to let the number one seed pick their pick who they're playing from yeah. the bottom four seeds. That would be nice. Don't let, don't let them pick, don't let them pick the two, three, or four seed, but you let them pick five, six, you know, or you know, let yeah. them pick one of the bottom seeds. Yeah, I think that makes even more sense now too, because you know, again, if you're sitting at eleventh, maybe you're, you know, maybe it's the Nets sitting at eleventh and they're waiting for Kevin Durant to come back from an injury, and now you're the first place, you know, Boston Celtics, and all of a sudden you end up having to play Kevin Durant in the first round. That's not fair, you know, that's not fair to you. Right, you uh, you would yeah. you would much prefer to play like the New York Knicks, right, right, or you know whoever else happened to slip in, or looking in the West, you know, Golden State could very easily they're, they're in the play-in right now. Would it does is it really fair for the number one seed to be like okay here you get to play the this healthy Steph Curry have fun? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, but you mentioned Vooch though, and uh, you know Vooch has had a, a incredible season. I think there you know by any measure uh, it's been really really a good season for him. He's looking more like uh, his Orlando self, and you know I think a big part of that is the Bulls. You mentioned the Bulls having issues at the point guard position and getting people to their spots. The Bulls have been a lot better at that for Vooch. This entire season, you know, getting him in in the motions that uh, he likes to be in to score. He does that, you know, turn around and flip his uh, over his shoulder type thing, almost like a hook shot, but it's more like a push shot almost. And I think the Bulls have been really, really good at getting in the basketball like that. So I, I at this point, I don't mind if he stays. Um, I think, you know, I think if the Bulls do trade him, though, I think it, I wouldn't it wouldn't like crush me. Like if they get a decent return for him and some good pieces back, some good young pieces back, that wouldn't crush me as long as they get a center back that's, like, starter-worthy. I don't think Andre Drummond's starter-worthy. Would you trade him for Nas Reed? Because I would. Yeah, yeah, I would. <laughs> and Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota wants – they don't want to pay Nas Reed, paying go, Rudy and Cat. Mm. So he's he's on the block. I would – and he's only, like, 23, 24. I would right. love for Nas Reed to be the starter on the Chicago Bulls. Um that would be cool. He's he's the one guy who really comes to mind for me. Uh, yeah. I don't think I would for Thomas Bryant on the mm-hmm. Lakers. He's he's the other kind mm-hmm. of uh, guy who's not going to be able to be re-signed by the team more than likely because of the contract situation. So well, the Lakers do do want a center or they want center. Uh, he would be a nice addition to the Lakers, honestly. I mean, would you do it for like a Thomas Bryant and a first, unprotected first? I mean, if it's one, yeah, from the. Oh yeah, if I can get one of those picks for Vooch, I, I would do right. it immediately. Right. Yeah, I could see that happening. And you know, Thomas Bryant, he's not. I'm not super into Thomas Bryant. I think he's he's okay. Like he's not he's not fantastic. I think he's probably ultimately a de- like he's like the almost like Jakob Pertl, like like borderline starter, but probably ideally a backup, like a very good backup. So I'm not like super into Thomas Bryant. But if you get that first, I think that that changes it for me for sure. Right, and I for me, we've mentioned the lack of playmaking. Stacey King, I, I love shouting him out because he just he knows what he's talking about. He talks about playing through Vooch constantly. And when they play through Vooch, it's because of Vooch's playmaking. That having someone who can playmake is huge for the development of Patrick Williams, huge for the development of Io. Like I saw a play, it was in the middle of the third quarter last night. And it you know, it didn't end up mattering. The Bulls were going on a run. But DeMar had the ball on um, the left block, just backing his guy down, and Io f- cut you know, straight to the basket, 
and DeMar just missed him for a wide open dunk. And it, it looked like he even looked at him, but it, <clears throat> he just couldn't quite process it quick enough before the defense could recover. Whereas Vooch, if he's in that position, he's pro- he, I have confidence he's making that type of play because he's just so good at playmaking from his spot. And I really like having him around because if we don't have him, how are Io and how are Patrick? Like, I think he creates a lot for those guys. Yeah. Kobe he's White, very- too. Yeah, he's a very talented uh, basketball player. I know, like, I still got a friend that's, like, in my ear, like, oh, he's worse than Carlos Boozer. I'm like, I don't think you know basketball, man. Like, it's not, you know, like, I, you know, I respect you in some ways, but, yeah, just let this let this one die. Go ahead. Don't die on that hill, please. You clearly <laughs> have an agenda, sir, and I appreciate yeah. your ability to stand you have, your ground. Yeah, he has some kind of personal hatred. And, like, most of his basketball takes her fine. But, like, this one is just, like, you know, dude, like, just let it rest. Like, give it up. Um, he's obviously got a personal vendetta against uh, Nikola Vucevic. Maybe get a bet on him sometime or something. I don't know. Anyways, uh, but, yeah, so I think, you know, I think I can see the Bulls going that way. Well, last thing before we head out here, you know, if the Bulls are looking to add a guard, I mean, you know, one thing I proposed just kind of, like, off the top of my head because I was talking to a friend about the, the Bulls situation was, you know, I, I could see the Bulls doing something like, uh, you know, trading Andre Drummond for Corey Joseph or something like that. And I know we just said, you know, Andre Drummond seems like a, a piece that we don't want to move. So probably not him, but, you know, something along those lines. Like, do you see the Bulls making a big splash and getting like a borderline, you know, the one guy that sticks out to me is, is Mike Conley. I mean, if the Bulls could get Mike Conley, would you like that? I mean, if we just had to give up, right? what would it be, like Depends a 29 first? Like... At that point, I, a first, I think yeah. he's just too old to give yeah. up a first four, and that's what they're right. asking for. So, right. no, and for me, again, I would just – I would wait it out, and I would see maybe what you can get with with the exceptions in free agency. Because if you're just looking for a guy who can play make, you can, you can target that. Whereas everyone's looking for wing sizes. You know, that's what everyone's looking for. So if you maybe – zag while everyone else is zigging you should be able to find that playmaking role and that's why we brought ak in because he has the ability to find that talent that the other people haven't found he he's shown that ability and for me i can't even think of a guard that i would want to bring in because i like our guard rotation so much like i know we need more playmaking but i don't want io playing less i don't want caruso playing less i don't want zach playing less Uh, if javante ever comes back i don't want him not playing right um, for me, I'd almost want to see them go out. I said Nas Reed, Jared Vanderbilt from the mm-hmm. Jazz. He's, mm-hmm. I think they said he's available for a first-round pick, and I, I think he would be a really good backup five, or, or you know, he could even play the four. I just, I love the way he plays. He, he's an energy guy through and through. He can do everything but shoot the three. And on a team that, again, I, I complain a lot about how they fall asleep on defense. Jared Vanderbilt. As a backline defender, he can cover up a lot more mistakes than Vooch can. See, that's and uh, it's funny how you mentioned that because Jared Vanderbilt, you know, same same team, uh, same asking price, supposedly first round pick, and he's twenty three years old. So this uh, something there is just not connecting for me. It doesn't make sense. Um, well, they they have Kessler is the problem, um, yeah. and Kessler, they want to play Kessler thirty plus minutes, and they don't right. want to play two non shooting bigs together. Yeah. So Vanderbilt's getting ready to come up. So if they can get a first for him. They're like, great, I get something for this asset. That's that's why they're moving him. I don't think they expected Kessler to be this good, and that's why they insisted. That's why they got Vanderbilt in the trade from uh, the Timberwolves. But 
I don't think that's I don't think him being available is says anything about his talent. I think that just says how good Kessler has been. Yeah. And, uh, and Kessler has been incredible, by the way. So, uh, you know, congrats to those jazz fans and everyone that was on his uh, hype wagon because it is it is taken off. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would think, you know, when someone, someone posted posited that to me with the Mike Conley situation on Twitter, and I said the same thing. I said, you know, the asking price last I heard was a first-round pick, and they they would have to come down off. I'm not getting a first-round pick for, for Mike Conley. You know, maybe, maybe a couple seconds and maybe a, a young guy. The one guy I'm worried about on the Bulls that might get moved um, ahead of the deadline here is Dale Terry. And he, you know, he struggled to break the rotation so far. Um, but I, I could see them, you know, because if we're talking about bringing back a piece um, and, you know, obviously you can trade uh, a first for Jared Benneville or something like that. But like if you need to to, you know, match salaries or something like that or, or you know, you're, you're trying to get somebody that's more of a splashy ad. I, I feel like Dylan Terry is that the one piece that you can throw in that you're just not utilizing right now if your goal is to win now. So you, you, you did a double take. So you don't have the same worries that the Bulls are going to move Dylan Terry. I really thought you were going to say Kobe White is really is what it was. <clears throat> I don't know. He's, he's an unrestricted free agent. Right. And then, I mean, that'd be nice if they could. But that's the problem is that there's no uh, guarantee. There's no there's no, you know, contract that extends beyond the season. So, you know, you are gonna have to renegotiate the contract. And then that contract isn't necessarily as enticing at that point. So. Right. Or be willing to, to match whatever he can go out and find. But I, I don't see Dale and Terry having any value around the league. So mm-hmm. for me, I. I just I can't see them moving their first round pick just as a salary filler. Like for me, it'd be Tony Bradley at two million, or uh, even Javante Green. I could see them moving Javante before Dalen Terry as salary filler, just because he's one point. He's about the same. He's one point eight million, but he's twenty nine years old. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love Javante, if you're looking for salary filler, you're more likely to to do that, I think, than to include your first round pick. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, I think Kobe White is the guy who might be out the door because they're worried about extending him. They're, they're worried about going into the tax. You mentioned the sports ethos thing. Uh, I ended up trading Kobe White in it for Obi Toppin from the mm-hmm. Knicks. Uh, yeah. He's Which I don't mind. Cheaper. I like that. Yeah. He's, he's under the uh, he's under his rookie <laughs> contract an extra year. Um, so to me that that's something that I could see maybe happening, but. I think he's played really well. I think he brings it on the defensive end all of the time. Even whenever he gets scored on, it's not because he's not trying. It's not because he missed a rotation. It's because he just got beat because he's smaller and he's not, you know, he doesn't have the talent. But he's always in the right spot. So for me, unless they can find something like that kind of deal, I would hate to see them trade Kobe White for a bag of chips. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's raised his value enough at this point that, uh, you know, they, there's some value around the league for Kobe White for sure. So, so I think there's no, you know, no, no risk of that happening. And his salary is what, like 9 million or something like that. I think uh, last I looked. So, uh, 7.4. Okay. That's a little less than I thought it was, but, but still that, that, you know, gets you up to the point where you're getting guys that are, are real difference makers. So yeah, you might be right about that. So, um, but hey, that's going to do it for us, man. I think that's it. That's really all we had to cover here. And uh, next time we talk, Trey, could be a different roster. So we'll have to see how that how that turns out. But uh, but we'll be uh, covering it for you guys here. So uh, until next time, though, guys, I am Keith Cork. You can find me on Twitter at, at BSBP Keith. And Trey, where can people find you? On Twitter at Final Finally. 
And yeah, go follow the show, guys, at Ethos Bulls. We are going to try to keep doing this out weekly for you guys. It's just kind of whenever our schedules match up. So uh, we will try to get these shows out to you, out to your ears, just our thoughts on the Bulls. And if you have any comments about what we talked here, uh, definitely drop us a line on Twitter. We do monitor that. So, uh, anyways, until next time, go Bulls. Bye.